welcome to Every Donald Soul. Speedy, the old phrase of the day is haberdashery. Haberdashery. Ooh, Which I've is heard an this old word. word. But you're, you're such a linguist. I'm not going to call you a nerd. A, a, a linguist. Uh, <laughs> you would just, I think you would just know that word. Not because it's an old phrase and your parents use it, just because you read a lot. Mm, I, I, oh gosh, I feel it tickling my brain. I've absolutely used it and I've read it, but my goodness, it's been a while. I'm drawing a blank, but it is, it is a place, yes? Yes. yes. Well, I mean, it, it technically can be more, but I think people use it as a place. Interesting. Do you want to just put it in a sentence? You and haberdashery, habit, haber, hab, haberdashery. Haberdashery. Yep. I use that. Hmm. I, me, me and the gals are going to the <laughs> haberdashery. <laughs> Ain't that right, Barbara? <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I we'll get... really could not tell you for the life of me. I, although I am getting a, a feeling of not, not mischief. Well, maybe mischief and fun. Is it m- mischievous and fun, Danny? <laughs> That'd be such a good Nancy Drew book, like mischief at the haberdashery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a haberdashery is a place where you would get into mischief with the girls, including Barbara <laughs> Nancy, <laughs> and Nancy, Nancy Drew. The girls head to the haberdashery to solve the latest mischief. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the boxcar children, number 71. <laughs> <laughs> Mischief at the haberdasher. Um, no, it's, uh, well, I'm going to read the, because you can like Google like when old words are used. And this is according to Merriam-Webster's website. The last time it was used online was by the New York Times. Uh, and the sentence was, some version of the jacket can probably be found in most every haberdashery in Italy and, for all one knows, on the sales floor at Macy's Herald Square. Uh, so basically, it's like a clothing store for men, but it can also mean, like, accessories for men's clothing. Interesting. So not, probably not a lot of, like, female mischief, but maybe that's the mystery that Nancy Drew is trying to solve is why so many women were down at the haberdashery in the <laughs> 1950s. Right. Why would they have been at the haberdashery? That's mm. what I'd like to know. Something's afoot. Yeah. You're up to something. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Now, I use this word because uh, <laughs> sorry. I, I, said, I said it naturally to Speedy before we started recording like, hey, I have some old <laughs> phrases from my Sammy Davis Jr. book. And you were like, of course, of course. <laughs> right, you said you completely casually as me. if there's nothing special about that. Of course, of course. I have a Sammy. Yeah. You have and are reading a Sammy Davis Jr. book. It's, it's not just a shelf piece that you use to show people that you're an old soul. You, you, you crack this book. You, you read this book, Danny. <sighs> what's, funny, what's funny is that like, so, you know, now I'm in New York. And I'm on ABC News, and I have a lot more viewers than I've ever had in my life. And I've, I've been getting a lot more followers and stuff. And I've been checking our podcast numbers, and they've been going up because people have been checking out our podcast. Um, but the last two episodes they would have seen uh, were Remembering Tony Bennett and Remembering Tina Turner. So uh, <laughs> now they're like, oh, here's a new episode. First time in a month because we're done with moving, and I can do episodes again. And they're going to just hear this and be like, oh, 
yes, they're naturally talking about a book that came out in 1965. It just comes up organically, me and my Sammy Davis Jr. book at the Haberdashery. <laughs> Very natural conversation. <laughs> they talk like that. It's regular and normal in the present tense, me and my Sammy Davis Jr. autobiography. Uh, yes, let me explain. My dad bought me his book, Yes, I Can, which I think everyone should read, honestly. Not just because his career is amazing, but because his journey um, is harrowing at some points, what he had to overcome to ultimately be the world's greatest entertainer. I mean, the story will inspire anybody and give him a frame of mind about how hard it was for people like Sammy Davis Jr. Um, to make it through showbiz when it was very, very racist in our country. Um, but in that book, there have been a lot of old phrases, and I just write them down. And there have been two that I texted my dad about. One was this one, haberdashery, and then the second one, which is uh, what I really wanted to use, but I don't, I just, I didn't want it to just be there out of context on the episode title, because we always <laughs> use the old phrase as the episode title. Oh, so this uh, is the hidden is, secondary word. Yes. Okay. Yes. If we get an email about this, if you're an old soul at gmail.com, I know you really listen to the podcast, uh, <laughs> and that is, uh, this is the word, and it's Bobby Soxer. Oh, fun. Yes, yes, A yes. Bobby Soxer. Bobby Soxer. This feels very 50s. I'm pretty sure that it was somewhere in the script of Grease Jr. that I was in uh, <laughs> Wait, <laughs> in junior Grease high school. Because <laughs> yeah. that's where they can remove like the 105 sexual innuendos that are in Grease that you don't pick up on until you're in your 20s. And you're like, wait a minute, this movie is not what I thought it was. No. And, and in fact, wild that they would make a children's show out of it. There's so much raunchy nonsense. Um, my my very yeah. favorite lyric change that they had to do was in Summer Lovin'. Um, instead of, I think is it We Made Out Under the Dock? But they had to change it right. to, We told jokes under the dock. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that Danny Zuko was like, I need a tight room for my, for my stand-up routine. We got to go under the dock. Comedy compression. It's a good room. It's a good room. The dock. I could do my tight five. <laughs> and that's certainly how you get a, a swell gal. You tell her your finest knock-knock joke under the dock. Yes, from Australia. <laughs> like, my jokes are going to translate to Australia, but we got to be in a good room for it. If we're in the right room, my jokes are going to hit. <laughs> um, um, anyway, a bobby soxer, according to Wikipedia, is a dated term for the wildly enthusiastic adolescent female fans of 1940s traditional pop music, in particular that of singer Frank Sinatra. And when I texted my dad about it, he then found, like, a newspaper headline that used Bobby Soxer and had, like, a picture of Frank on it. So it was a thing. Wow. Uh, I felt weird using it. It didn't didn't feel like the most, I don't know, politically correct phrase in 2023 to be like, let's label women. (laughs) I didn't want to do that. But it seems to have been very popular. And there was even a movie in 1947 starring Shirley Temple as a stereotypical Bobby Soxer in the film The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer. Wow, in the title. Gee. Well, I have to say, I'm pretty astounded that it would be in a movie title and even in a newspaper headline. So it wasn't just slang. It was established enough as a term that... Yeah. Yeah. Huh. No, yeah, I think, I think it was a regularly used phrase but well 
It is fun to say. Yeah. Bobby Soxer. Bobby Soxer. <laughs> oh, now that we've got that out of the way, uh, the reason I have no voice, and I know this podcast a lot of times is like us, uh, like researching and watching things with you or reacting to things. This one I just wanted viewers and, li- well, I guess, listeners. I want listeners' opinions on. I have no voice because Saturday I was invited... Um, to go to a DJ show that was ABBA-themed in New York. You lucky duck. Am I a New Yorker or what? (laughs) (laughs) My wife and I have been here for three weeks, because like I said, I moved here to to join ABC News uh, with some early morning network shows, and um, I've been trying to do things, but... You know, I, I really only like to see bands, so I kind of wanted to ask, if you're an old soul at gmail.com, how you feel about DJ shows? Because I've always been, honestly, a little pretentious about it. I'm like, I don't need to see somebody with a laptop press play. I don't want to do this. But then when they were like, Danny, there'll be 700 people there, and they'll all be screaming ABBA with you, not wondering why this guy won't stop screaming ABBA. They also <laughs> will be screaming ABBA. Like they're, They like old music, too. And you'll be accepted. I was like, okay, I will go to that because that does sound cool. So now I have no voice because I'm in my late 20s now and I'm no longer resilient. <laughs> you are frail. You're falling apart, Danny. I, oh. Seriously. I also have had multiple neck surgeries in the last two years. This but is true. it's the age. And <laughs> neck surgeries. So I guess I wanted to ask everyone, please write in what you think. Like if, if you knew the right playlist secured up would you go see a dj show would that be cool enough for you what do you think mm. yeah for what it's worth for me um i'm i'm the same as you i've always been pretty pretentious about it like well i could press play on the song blah, 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 blah. but you know i do recognize that there is an, an art to it the curation and the mixing and um all, all stuff that that i don't understand um, and if it's a group like ABBA, where you wouldn't normally get a giant group of people together to listen to it and love it, and are you going to be able to see the real ABBA in person? Probably not. Um, there's lots of reasons that it makes sense. Um, but I do feel pretty crusty and old about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I agree with you. Like, if they're, like, doing, like, real... DJ production, like blending different songs and mixing them, and it's like a way you've never heard it before. Yeah, yeah pretty cool. Yeah, um, this was not that. This it was not that. Like, it, it was, was like a Spotify play playlist. <laughs> yes, it was. And they, I mean, maybe I'm just dumb. I don't know how this works. But they kept like looking at the laptop and like concentrating, and then like the song would still be played from cover to cover, and then a new song would come on, and it never like blended or anything. <laughs> It's just to go to the next songs. I don't know what they were adjusting. Maybe I just don't know how bass levels work, and I'm sorry if I don't. If you're an old soul at gmail.com, if you know bass levels better. Um, but they did at one point bring out a drummer to, oh. like, drum with the music, and that was the best part for me. Oh, that's pretty cool. Like, I was like, oh, like, this, that's cool. Like, somebody's playing live music, which just kind of confirmed that I prefer live music. Because right. then I was excited. <laughs> but they tried to, like, appease the young crowd, and... Uh, all of a sudden, they played one Dua Lipa song, 
how does that and even host. factor in to this ABBA playlist? What? Well, you know, it's like disco inspired. But I was like, I even though like everyone, like 699 people were like, yeah. And then I was like, I trusted you. <laughs> I, I thought these were my, my people. <laughs> you said ABBA. You said ABBA. <laughs> no, if it was the Dua Lipa Elton John song. Oh, wait. Am I behind the times? Did Dua Lipa and Elton John collaborate? Are you kidding me? I don't know about this. (gasps) Speedster, we we talked about this a year ago when I saw Elton John in New York. No, we we did? No, no, (laughs) no, there was a Britney Spears collaboration. Hold me closer. Right, they did that because of. Right, right. They're like, closer, closer. Yeah. Closer, closer. <laughs> um, they did that because of how wildly successful the Dua Lipa song was. Are you kidding me? Oh, we must strike yeah, this from like, the record. I'm so humiliated, no, Danny. It's, it's it. <laughs> no, you, no, it's the Rocketman one, you know? It's like, it's Rocketman, like one other song oh, of his. Oh, goodness. Okay. And it's like, I think it's gonna be a long, long time. It's called Cold Heart. It's like, cold, cold heart, you know? Oh my gosh! Okay, it is rushing back to me in in, okay. a, in a flood right. of humiliation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if this is your first, if you're an old soul episode, uh, the bar is low, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but I did think Speedy knew that one. But if this is your first time listening to our podcast, um, we are two young people, uh, only by technical biological age. But other than that, we're ninety and we're proud. Yes. My brain is deteriorating. Danny's vocal cords are deteriorating. Uh. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. I can't Welcome wait till to we're members show. of AARP. Oh. <laughs> I crave it. I hope it. some people actually uh, did find us um, from my stories airing. And now they're wondering if I've been auto-tuned on the air. <laughs> Because I sounded so much better last night. <laughs> but I was really just like, ABC News, Benny New, New York. <laughs> That's my auto-tune. Sorry. Man, your auto-tune was just turning in you into like a, a wizard hermit or something. Danny New. Danny New, Denver Um, Okay. Before we get to my interview with the Lemon Twigs... Um, Real quick, I, if you look at our show, yes, our last two episodes were memorializing uh, Tony Bennett and Tina Turner, but even though we like to talk about old things here, we try not to only talk about who has recently passed away, we just always feel this responsibility to be like, we must eulogize them, <laughs> even though all of Twitter is too, but we must as well. Um, but real quick, <laughs> we do want to mention two uh, giants uh, that have passed away, sadly, uh, Robbie Robertson of the band, one of my all-time favorite bands and then bob barker who just recently passed away over the weekend um i didn't really watch a lot of prices right i'm sorry i knew more from happy gilmore but speedy when you were sick and there were no judy garland movies on tcm <laughs> is that what you did I, yes and you have the order exactly right first stop judy garland movies watch the pirate on repeat and then uh, when that has, has run out and you need something else, straight to Game Show Network. And Bob Barker, he is Game Show Network. I mean, he is the legend. So to see him go, 
that it, it you know it really is sad really is sad um but we love you we love you bob rest in peace my friend you and chicken noodle soup and this judy all took care of me for many years this is a weird follow-up question but yeah if you know speedy well enough and soon maybe you will it won't be that weird um did you have a crush on bob barker <laughs> that's a great question um uh, no, but I can see being attracted to his charisma. Is this an acceptable response? <laughs> I just, I feel like there's a good, knowing you, because if I had a name like your top five uh, crushes. Celebrity life, crushes. Like, <laughs> like Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> oh, of course. Wow. Yeah. So That's I husband like material. You're, <laughs> yeah, you're watching reruns. From like the seventies in the early nineties, so yeah. you're seeing like fifty-year-old Bob Barker, and maybe like you're in love with him from twenty years prior when you were a kid. Yeah, in a fever dream. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of my my biggest celebrity crushes are old old fellas. Um, another one being Cary Grant, uh, Van Johnson. Mm. Oh my gosh! Get out of town. The perfect man. Um, very few people our age can really measure up uh, to the, to the oldie the oldie hotties. As as many young men in Los Angeles are learning, <laughs> they're like, "Is it me?" And it's like, "It's not you. It's your youth." Yeah, your youth. It just repels me. Lack of stories about Jimmy Carter. <laughs> I just don't get the sense that you've ever, you know, piloted a station wagon, which I don't like. I don't <laughs> like. Just, how can you fix that? Fix it, though. But yeah. you can't. Please fix that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with, with Alex Trebek passing away yeah. um, in the last couple of years and Bob Barker it, and Pat Sajak just retired, it does seem like we've kind of, like, lost most of, like, our traditional game show hosts where now they're kind of just, like, famous people. Right. That they put on a game show when we used to have like these people where it was like their job right we've kind of lost that a little bit so yeah similar to to late night show host it's like these people were a part of your daily life your daily experience with the writer's strike i really miss my late night house i miss i I would watch colbert (laughs) on youtube the next day and i miss him Uh, or i'm on nbc now i mean i do love jimmy kimmel i usually watch kimmel and colbert to be honest i love them both um, and then rest in peace Bob Barker uh, also I can't believe Bob Barker and Betty White probably like the two most famous and beloved seniors yeah who also were animal activists both got to 99 and not 100 I didn't even think about that huh isn't that like we were like one of them I thought would get to 100 yeah huh also I wanted to read you a tweet about Bob Barker I'll have to find it now, but it was funny, and I want you to hear it. Oh, please do. I thought it was... This was from B.W. Carlin on Twitter, or I guess X. Quote, my man got as close as possible without going over a dollar. Legend. <gasps> Perfect. Very clever tweet. Very clever. That is a clever tweet. Uh, a, cl- a clever X. Good job Xing, X. D.W. Post? Good X. <laughs> Good X, good X. <laughs> and 
And then quickly, R.I.P. Uh, Robbie Robertson from the band. We only have one member left. Uh, I know Robbie and Lee Von Helm, the drummer mm-hmm. who sang a lot of my favorite songs, uh, had like a rocky relationship towards the end. Uh, but Robbie did write a lot of their hits and um, was a dope guitar player and picked out a lot of music for Martin Scorsese movies. And uh, it just stinks when members of your favorite bands are passing away. Yeah. You know? It's hard to you be an old know. soul, Danny. It's so hard. It is. All I your loved ones are dropping like soul. flies. <laughs> <sighs> the death corner of our podcast. We just have to <laughs> go into mourning every single time. <laughs> and now I drove old Dixie down. The bells were ringing. Um, okay. Now, I want to introduce my interview with the Lemon Twigs, a band that I've really tried to force on you. Has anything landed? Has anything? Uh, Yeah. You know what? I haven't gotten into my Lemon Twigs phase, but I feel it coming up. Okay. Yes. Because I I will listen to them now and again, and once I get a song that I'm going to put on repeat, it's all over. I'm in for life. That is how your brain works. Speedy has one song, and then she'll only listen to that song. And you would think... Oh, that's a starting point. It's not. It's the finishing point. And she'll just stay in that song. But she does technically like them now, so it is kind of like a mission accomplished. If you just <laughs> want her to like one song by a band that you really think she would appreciate. <laughs> yeah, and I'm grateful that you introduced them to me because they do feel like, you know, young people keeping the old alive. Which I'm so grateful for, yes. as all of our favorite artists keep dying. So, thank you. <laughs> Someone alive for me I'm to enjoy. Some... Yeah, well, that's yeah. Uh, it's cool that we can. They are also heavily influenced when we're talking to them. I mean, they know way more about music than me, but they're just like naming people that I was like, oh, I know a couple songs by them. And they're naming some like random album I hadn't heard of, and I was just like, wow, they really know their stuff. As they should. Oh, wow. They're professional musicians. But I'm gonna read you some quotes from their website from famous people who like them because it does seem like they're a lot of like your favorite band's favorite band or famous people's favorite band. Like they're very well loved. Mm-hmm. Um, but I need more people who aren't famous like us to appreciate them Uh, here's a quote from Elton John they're so out of left field in their songs they don't have any rules in their songs and that's sometimes the way it should be hey guys I'm dying to meet you keep making great music Elton John oh my gosh ever heard of him of Dua Lipa fame Of Dua Lipa fame, then no, I have not heard of it. I heard of Elton John, but wow, that's incredible. I mean, that is the highest of compliments. Holy moly. <gasps> Questlove, Oscar winner. Really? Said, dog, I've been waiting forever for the world to see the lemon twigs. Hearing you say dog in an authoritative tone is very <laughs> funny to me. <laughs> not to distract from, you know... The, the quote, which is quite amazing. Uh, Would you prefer I do it in Spanish? Pero. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, the, the collection of quotes on this website are really funny. Killian Murphy from wow. Oppenheimer, which is very ironic because the interview went a little off the rails towards the end, and suddenly they were telling me about their feelings on Oppenheimer, um, which I have not seen. Uh, he, they, he said, there, there's a great band called the Lemon Twigs that everyone should listen to. I think they're about to be huge. It's kind of glam prog 
with beautiful melodies, beautiful singing. Killian Murphy, inventor of the atomic bomb. Bomb. Whoa. You were saying. <laughs> this quote is explosive. Me, 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 me. I'm sorry. Um, okay, now that I've, um, to the best of my ability, tried to adequately set up the interview with a very um, beloved indie band called Lemon Twigs that's about to kick off the second leg of their tour for their fourth album, Everything Harmony, which was out. Oh, this is, you're going to like this, and then I'll stop. <laughs> they were in the middle of working on a TV show for Quibi. Wow. The streaming service that went under, and it never got released, and all these songs never got released, and we talk about the drama there. Because they were supposed to play this like sibling music group from the 60s and 70s. So, some drama there. We talk about new albums, and their new album, and then a new, new album they're apparently working on. I didn't know about that they were in the studio for. And then we somehow start talking about Oppenheimer. Oh, and their mom followed me on Instagram. We talk about that. <gasps> so, <laughs> congratulations, Danny. I, I actually lead with that. Thank you, Speedy. Thank you. Yeah. That is the biggest thing to happen to me this year other than getting married. Yeah, I was going to say, I know that your your big new New York ABC job is exciting, but I think this might be more exciting for you personally, to have the mom of the Levin Twigs follow you. Well, her Instagram bio says, mother of twigs. Mother of twigs. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Cool lady. So with that. Wow. <laughs> so with that, let's meet the Lemon Twigs and hear about their mother. All right, we are now joined by, and this is crazy I get to say this, the Lemon Twigs with Brian and Michael, to Dario. Um, guys, I, I want to start here. First off, hello. Hey. hey. How are you doing? Good to see you. Um, I think your mom followed me on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, she's been really hyping us up uh, with this uh podcast she's very excited she yeah. she did a deep dive and she said he's so nice you you have to <laughs> <laughs> well i wasn't sure just like it said that this, uh, this lovely woman followed me and i went to her bio and it said mother of twigs yeah. and i figured that's probably their mom yeah. how many twig moms are out there in the country yeah yeah there's only one that we know of <laughs> <laughs> so then i asked her i was like uh do you guys have any like embarrassing stories i can ask them about when they come on i have an answer do you want me to read it to you or would you prefer no embarrassing mom anecdotes i, I, I guess know. yeah yeah if it's too bad you can always edit it out yeah for, for your sake your pr people will be like um oh, we prefer that they don't know about that time okay so i texted your mom i was like hey do you have any like funny memories i could like read on the podcast and ask them about and then she said hmm well when they were both working on broadway i drove them back and forth do you know where this is going yet? No. Six days a week. They used to do homework in the backseat of the car. One time, Michael ended up with a sharp pencil up his nose, and we had to leave the LIE and go to the ER at Flushing Hospital. Another time, Brian and his friend Danny were doing WWE moves on our trampoline, and Brian's nose got broken. Are those funny childhood <laughs> memories? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're definitely funny way to phrase it. They're too, violent childhood memories. Yeah, they're too nose related. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you guys always impaling your nose? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's funny because it's. I mean, what I just—they're not embarrassing. Yeah, they're not. Embarrassing. They're just. 
It is a little bit. The first one's a little bit embarrassing because I just remembered that I just, it was like a joke, you know, gone around. I remember in both situations, uh, it was one of those things like, like where something horrible happens and like I had the blood shooting on my nose and the one, and then the other situation, Brian's nose was broken. But in both those situations, it was like, ah, and then, <laughs> and then the other, like turns to the other one, <laughs> like, <laughs> like cartoonishly yeah when they look at you that you're so messed up you know <laughs> i happen to me too like my older brother when i was a kid like put like a phone antenna from like our landline phone in my nose and started bleeding brothers just like sticking stuff in each other's noses yeah that's how you learn not to do that <laughs> um okay so i do like sometimes when you have a band on that you love, you really want to talk about like their earliest stuff and then you eventually get to the thing they're there to plug. But in this scenario, I'm very fascinated by our new album. First of all, Everything Harmony, because I love it. Um, I love like the Carpenters, Partridge Family, like the association vibes that I get cool. from it. But also uh, the origin story, I'm very fascinated about because the only other artist I had heard having a situation like this was like Taylor Swift, where she had like a problem with whoever might or might not have like owned the rights to her music and she had to like re-record it on her own because i've only read like the press release what happened with the uh very successful streaming service uh quibi that you guys kind of had to do your own thing here with music you had already written for something else oh yeah well that was just a weird thing where we got an opportunity to do something with quibi where we got an opportunity to go to Los Angeles and film a series that was an interactive thing. It was, it was such an odd thing because it was like, it read like a almost famous type thing, you know? But yeah, uh, we'll, it was we'll interactive, which is also so odd because the the dialogue is broken up and it's kind of, you know, really not naturalistic. You know, it's like... You're shooting four slightly different versions of every scene. And the the differences between the scenes were so, like, inconsequential, you know, like, because it yeah, all Yeah, because it has to end, so do, all the storyline has to go like that, you know? Mm -hmm. so, so it would be Because it would be like, too crazy. It would be too, too, you'd be shooting too many things if there were a million different things. So it would like, be like, do you decide, like, to have a, a shot of tequila or a... Uh, mysterious red pill right you can't be a guy you know, who like, like all of a sudden like this guy's wearing a hat for the rest of the story and one thing and then you have to shoot everything with a hat and everything without a hat it's just you know, whoa it sounds like a lot of work well, that, that, that couldn't be how it was so it's like this so it was a lot of work and it was really kind of weird but we were grateful to be doing it in the first place but we were like you know we couldn't even memorize one version yeah. of the scene you know we just had our scripts the whole time i mean we, we were, were horrible so out of practice as yeah, actors we were horrible i mean it we were like, fine actors but just just as you know the job of acting we were just like terrible isn't it crazy that quibi didn't work out yeah I, I, <laughs> it sounds so efficient it wasn't even quibi it was oh uh, what oh, echo which was, was echo. which is still in business but it's like it's it's totally rebranded they had it's a like, lawsuit they're like you know. interactive uh instructional videos like the, on how to like bake certain recipes or something the two companies were you know that's why i think it didn't happen because the two companies were suing each other over technology um, yeah the technology to do the the uh interactivity the interactive yeah. square based media yeah. for quibi that was like supposed to be like phone based 
So so they hired you. You're going to play like brothers in like the 60s or 70s yeah. in a band. Yeah. And then like how much time did you spend writing these songs? And then also I, I wanted to know, because like even with your second album, like with Go to School, like it's an overarching story that you are serving. But at the same time, it does seem like they're still coming from a personal place for you guys. Yeah, it's like the best. Well, the best songs on the that album had nothing to do with the the story, you know. And we, um, for this, it was more like a vehicle for us to uh, write silly, like Kiss style rock songs. Yeah, which didn't necessarily match the vibe of the show either. Like, I don't know that we were really supposed to because that's the thing is like. I don't know that we we didn't take it seriously enough, but then that also informed uh, th- that that's how we went into recording those songs. So then we came out with stuff that was actually kind of more fun and a little bit lighter than, than yeah. the other stuff. And so that... that's only really the story with this song, "Any Time of Day," which was our lead single for the record. Was that that was written for, for that the show. show? Yeah, but we didn't end up. Uh, we ended up not really even submitting it to the show people because we kept it for we ourselves, thought yeah. we thought um oh, this might actually turn out you know better than what we might want to put in this show that's so cool you were like no this is ours mm-hmm. they don't get this one yeah. sorry echo i don't know that it would have been that appropriate anyway but well it's interesting because i thought like your third album had a lot of kiss vibes too mm-hmm. so is that also bleeding into that album as well um, or was that before it? I mean, the timeline? Yeah. Probably time. right before. It was probably just right before. But that was, yeah, we were into that kind of stuff for sure. Yeah, there's definitely more like straight rock uh, rock and roll on that album. It's interesting because like, uh, you, obviously you're your brothers and you keep saying like, we, but are, are you each like getting into different things and then you merge them together like because you're both individual people so like do you tend to just like the same stuff at the same time like how do you find that collective vibe right now it's been uh we've been pretty simpatico but uh every other record since uh the last record uh, like our you know our first three records we were always diverging um and so the it was kind of an effort to try to meet in the middle um as far as what material we shows but we're always writing more than we're recording so it's never that difficult to um to pick you know 12 songs that sound like they should go together uh are there any artists in particular that like one of you likes the other one just like can't get like you wish you could you like them as much as they do but they're just you know that like that's their person uh this doesn't have to do with brian uh but uh, you know a lot of people I, I i like what brian plays of leonard cohen but i'm not i'm not obsessive by any means mm. and just any sort of like a lot of about like the kind of ballad uh ballad ears <laughs> yeah i mean i love ballads but i don't know a lot of a lot of like folkier phil oaks but i love but i like phil oaks a lot it's just i serge gainsburg that's not yeah serge gainsburg i'm really probably... like interests you that Does, i don't connect with uh, the music that much but i'm not like gonna say i don't like in yeah. fact i know a lot of the material just from brian playing all that stuff and i get to like it you know i get to listen to it all the time but i just don't go and listen to it on my own 
I guess. That makes sense. And the Leonard Cohen thing checks out because it does seem like Brian sings more like the ballads. Yeah. yeah. Like the And he piano. plays he likes he plays the nylon string and and uh does yeah. finger picking stuff kinda like that, you know. I think that's his influence probably. And classical guitar. So okay, so the show does not get made, but you have all these songs. And then do you have to be like Hey, so since you're all going under, we're just gonna take these back. Is we that okay? No, well, we, we actually did ask all that, of Brian. Oh, did we? Yeah, we asked that. We we didn't need to do that for this album because the the song was like we said, like we we did we didn't give it to them, but we did ask them after all was said and done. You know, will we be able to use these songs if we want to? Because there were a couple that we liked. Yeah. Actually, the one that they called Windmills and Wonder that they came up with the title for, they were like, there's this corny song, supposed to be this corny song called Windmills and Wonder that they want to sell to the band, you know, so so in the story. And we wrote a song around that, and that actually was the best one. Yeah, we but we have yet to. And it wouldn't have happened if they didn't ask us to write it. There's so much stuff it. from around that time period, like, right before the pandemic that we recorded that we still intend to go back to and finish up. Um, but it was just like, I think our style of singing that we liked to do at that point doesn't really suit um, our interests at this point. You know, we would like to redo a lot of the vocals, but we like our new songs more. So it's kind of like a project for when we're um, maybe having a dry spell, you know, writing. Or something you have a well of songs yeah the vibe that you like yeah so are you guys like always at band practice because you're with each other or do you try to like set a regimen so it doesn't always feel that way uh well when we're yeah it, it never feels like we're practicing when we're together in the studio we usually do like some rehearsals a week before we go out on tour with the rest of the, with the rest of the band the live band um yeah. yeah we don't we don't uh really practice yeah we just record but we record like every day we go to the studio every day and record we're working on our next record right now <gasps> studios in sorry i should be chill i should be chill yeah totally that's what people do musicians play music yeah <laughs> the studios in in brooklyn and we're almost done we're on our last song that we need to finish tracking yeah, and we'll then we gotta master everything. Master it next week. Yeah, hopefully. I remember when Vampire Weekend came out with their their fourth album, the Father of the Broad one. That like Ezra Koenig said, like, "Oh, we're eighty percent done, but the last twenty percent is the hardest part." Uh huh. Is that kind of where you're at with that album, where it's like the the mastering and finishing touches that are actually the hardest to say, like, "Okay, this is complete now." Yeah, in a way, that's kind of how it is. I don't know. It, 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 that's an interesting uh, idea because. I always think of it as, well, all we have to do is this, that, and the other thing. And then it's done. And it is actually easier to do, but it's it's harder because the decisions matter a lot more. They're more final. You know what I mean? So Exactly. That, that, yeah. It's just but that's sort of... true. Because I always say to people, well, we're almost done, but it's, takes, it takes this is so, this more. is really, yeah, it's, it's crazy. 
So you can tell me these are dumb questions. If I'm not following correctly, I'm just trying to conceptualize it because it's hard to find the stuff online. Mm -hmm. And you're sitting in front of me virtually. This is exciting. So how many of the songs on Everything Harmony were going to be in that TV show? Oh, just oh, just one. the one. Just, just one. any time of day. Okay. Now I understand. Okay. Yeah. Just the one. So these... But th were these songs kind of written from the vibe that you were getting from filming that show? Like, did they put you in this mindset? Or this is just where you guys were at in this like very authentically late 60s, early 70s music? Not really. Uh, this this was more... I think that it was entirely based around... Brian had had ballads on earlier albums that we had, you know, like three or four... Or, or, like over the course of all these albums, he had certain songs that kind of felt like they went together, you know? And I know Brian always felt like these were his best songs. So we wanted to provide context for those songs that where they were like where everything was very complimentary to those songs and they were kind of the centerpiece of the album. So the way to me, like a Simon and Garfunkel album works or like a Leonard Cohen album works or a lot of these people who kind of do ballads primarily and stuff and then there's one or two or three up songs you know um that was kind of like the idea behind the album like yeah i mean corner of my eye was one of the ones that um we were the most fond of and that was written um in about i think like 2017 or something and i held that back you know even when we had a recorded version on uh, the period of like songs for the general public, but it, that album I don't think would have served that song very well. Yeah, it's interesting. It's know. like we kind of thought, I don't know, we just kind of, it was time to like, it, it was kind of like, well, if you really think that's the best thing that you can do, then we should really just push forward our best, you know, thing. So that was kind of the idea. Okay. I understand. And yeah, it did seem like a lot of the songs were Brian's sung on this one. Yeah, and they're also just ballads. There's even ones where it's probably me singing where somebody might think it's Brian singing or I don't know. Yeah, Is there an example of that? Um, I don't like know. Or us singing at the same time. There's a lot I think it's too. pretty evenly distributed, though. I think um, we have an equal amount of songs. I think I have one more song on this album than oh. you. I didn't even realize that. I don't care, you know. <laughs> you guys are everything harmony you work together yeah I just, it's not about who sings more songs yeah <laughs> okay so uh you guys kick off tour in september yeah right another leg of the tour do you guys like touring yeah yeah i like it a lot i we, we didn't always like it if it was Maybe like it was difficult with uh, each other or or the other people in the band. It happens to be at the moment like, or even just people like working with the band. You know what I mean? But right now it's kind of the perfect combination of Brian and I are in a pretty good place together, and then um, the guys in the band are really good. The guy that we have working with us is really good. So. It must be interesting, like, growing up together and touring at the same time. Because I remember I saw you guys in 2018 or 19 for the, your second album tour. It was, this was in, like, Northampton, Massachusetts, uh, in, like, a in a club there. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And when you guys got off the stage, I looked at you while you were going back towards the green room after the show, and like Mike or Brian put you in a headlock, Michael. And like I was kind of like punching you a little bit, and I was just like, "Oh yeah, they're brothers, and they they have to tour together, and they're like growing up together too at the same time." So you must be like, you must have been like mature and immature phases through time as yeah. you've like been doing yeah, this. Yeah, last, I like, can seven imagine. That. I, it's so funny. It's like. He was also we roided in... out at that point. That's true. He was yeah, taking a lot of steroids. He had a blood issue, so he was on a lot of steroids, and and he used to get angry. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just so. It's but so I mean, funny. it was I was angering him. You know, I was doing things to anger him. But but yeah, it's interesting. Like this. Uh... <laughs> Journey. <laughs> well, it's it's. No wonder to me when I think back on that period that we aren't 100% um, into every aspect of those. No, into every aspect of those albums because we were still figuring out what it is that we liked. Yeah, we even liked, yeah. Like when you guys like started a band, did it occur to you that you were like signing up to spend so much time together? Well, we always kind of did. We we, we didn't really used to that. Yeah, we didn't really have like friends growing up that were just like our friend. We always hung out with the same people, you know. We didn't really live like two like entirely separate lives at any point. We always had the van together. Yeah, we always had. And it was always a fraught with conflict. Conflict. But it it was always like conflict between everybody involved, you know. So it didn't feel like we had a particularly it's only Bad now that it's starting to get more calm. I mean, there's still conflict, but it's all—it's all just logistical. It's like, it's like an argument about how to get to the same place instead of where, you know, we're trying to go to different places. You know. I I feel like for people who are like in studio with you, who are like, like you guys probably know like what you're trying to get, and they're like, kind of like waiting for you guys to figure it out together because they know that they could never like enter the brothers zone where you guys are in the same space. Yeah. It's hard for us to find people to work in the studio with because, uh, of, you know, we, we don't have a lot of patience with, uh, each other and try, and then we actually do have a, with other people. We're a little bit more, um, we're kind of pushovers. So we feel like we can't get people to do what we want. And then we're just kind of sitting there like frustrated, you know, but, with each other we can kind of say do this do that do that you know i totally get that like working in television like i'm working with editors and stuff like i don't like i know what i want but i don't know how to like i don't always have this like authority to be like this is what i want yeah Yeah. damn it because then i feel like it like it compromises the product because i want it to have a good vibe yeah i want it to come from stress yeah it's true it's hard it's kind of like every time i try i just feel like i'm being a jerk yeah yeah it doesn't sound like yourself right you're like who is this projection of like an angry person Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's why i have each other um so i wanted to ask you guys about like things that you're into because i feel like a lot of people who write about you spend a lot of time trying to guess the lemon twigs influences because you guys obviously uh emulate a lot of the sounds from previous decades they're like oh well they're obviously doing Todd Rundgren. They're 
obviously doing the Beach Boys. And it's like, well, yeah, a little bit, probably, yeah. But I'm like, are you guys into vinyl? Like, are there vinyls that you've listened to the most times in your life, you think? Or albums that you've listened to the most that you know mean that much to you? Um, Well, we have kind of different touchstone records for for when we're making a record like like the last one we had different albums that we kind of we were going well we really want to get the energy of this that and this and then get it in one thing without you know it's more like an energy thing it's like going into recording the album and and wanting to use the same textures and stuff to so that then when somebody else listens to it they get the same vibe or whatever colors that would come into their head when they listen to this thing mm. so for this record that we're working on now you know we're going for like i don't know this Tagus record oh yeah there's uh, a, yeah this band uh, the swedish band Tagus. Uh, they have an album called studio it's like and their that's like their odyssey and oracle it's like yeah, their you know there's Sergeant a certain Pepper type of like masterpiece album that we're kind of shooting for son- know, sonically sonically not like when you know, it, like just uh, when it comes to like drum sounds and things like that for when it comes to the songs themselves oh though, and then but it's but like you you can't even call it that because it's like that del shannon record is like that too. home like, and away it's by like del shannon. Pe- people's uh be, maybe you call it more like seminal like people's like seminal 60s psych- like psychedelic record album. i mean i don't even know if you'd call this one psychedelic though that we're working on it's just bubblegum more bubblegum did you say del shannon yeah, yeah. home and wow. away the, oh my gosh i unless i'm talking to my father i don't expect to hear about del shannon from time to time but he was like even when he was doing like bubblegumish stuff he still used like weird instruments and things like he was experimental while also like writing like catchy pop music yeah i'm yeah i mean even yeah runaway has that now that thing that's the technical term yeah that one and then didn't he write uh oh no i shouldn't i shouldn't have said a fun fact i don't have it there's a a famous song that he wrote that he did not i think it's go to pieces by peter and gordon i think he wrote that because i know like peter and gordon's other song world without love was written by paul mccartney obviously Mm -hmm. Hold on, I need to look this up or I'll never forgive myself. Uh, I'll never, ever live this down if I got this wrong with 11 twigs. Um, I'll, please be right, please be right. He wrote it. Okay, we're good. Okay. How about that? Cool. Did your Swedish band write that? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we got Del Shannon, we got Tagus. Yeah. Who else was in there? Well, this um, is for the one that we're working on now. I think that when the last record the, that we did, Everything Harmony was kind of like... I mean, it was like Bridge Over Troubled Water. Yeah, that, and, it's mm, more like records. Like, uh, so that we Death of a Ladies Man. You don't want to go to... A, Born to Be With You. You know, it's this is the kind of thing that like we're very shameless about, you know? And I think that also maybe, you know... Uh, sabotage maybe sabotages us a little bit but every single person that i don't think it matters i don't think it matters at all but every single person i've worked with does this you know like they always have like references for um yeah they always want to play something that you're supposed to sound like how do i do this when you're when you're playing when you're working on it on somebody's record or whatever 
it's what they always do. But then when they do interviews, they don't want to talk about it because they don't want to sound like, but I don't care at all. I don't think yeah. it matters at all. I understand what you're saying. Like, I'm not like people aren't always like catering or pandering, but there always seems like a like a popular sound in indie music that suddenly people are emulating. Like right now, a lot of bands are trying to be like War on Drugs and like that Bruce vibe. Like, like mm-hmm. Arcade Fire's last album was yeah. like, is this the War on Drugs album all of a sudden? Uh-huh. So like, it does seem like you guys aren't trying to do where like alt rock is going. Like you just have this rolodex of music from the entire world, and you just do what's interesting to you at the time, which I do, I do think produces the most authentic and genuine music. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We have friends. It seems like like generally things go in waves and like all of my friends will be into kind of the same thing at the same time and, and, and kind of be um, emulating a lot of the same stuff at the same time or like everybody will be into, like you were saying Springsteen, right? Yeah, there was like a big Springsteen. Yeah, a lot of people were really into Springsteen. We did one song that was had a Springsteen vibe, but it's just kind of a tangential uh, um, novelty. You know what I mean? But like the but people always go through, and so I think for this one that we're working on at the moment, um, there's a way that we could have gone with it that would have done that in a, in a sense, like done things that a lot of our friends are doing, but we kind of consciously were like, oh, you know, nobody's doing this right now. I think it'd be cool if we did this. And I think it's our favorite thing ever. <laughs> this new album or the one you just released? The one that we're working on. The one that the one you're working is, on is, is great too. I think that it's, um, I don't know at that point though we were so shut off from anybody right yeah i don't think we were like necessary i don't think it's any different that was it is yeah now, it was literally it, we were even more shut off because we were because of covid and stuff mm-hmm. so that was really well, we try to just protect ourselves from anybody else when we're making an album the hype is so fun because like i i thought we'd mostly talk about the new album but now there's like a new new album you just said it's your favorite thing you've ever done like now like this is the thing like when a new album comes out i'm like it came it came i can digest this over a year and now i'm like i'm digesting this but there's a new album and i know it's out there and mike just said it's his favorite things ever worked on and now i have to think about when that's gonna come yeah but you know like everybody's gonna say that right about their their new album Uh, hopefully it yeah you should feel confident yeah that's healthy I mean, I think if somebody says my new, I hate my new record, <laughs> like the last one more. Well, I just saw a fun clip of John Mayer saying, um, "Oh man, that was it so was funny. really bizarre." He was saying, uh, "I said I've, I'm at the place right now where I don't, I don't feel. Why should I even like what I'm working on? Why, <laughs> why should you cater to your own tastes when you write a song? Just because it's a little bit outside your own taste." And then Andy Cohen goes, uh, "What would be the point then?" he's like like, but then you end up what if it becomes a big hit and then you have to play it and he's like oh no no but then you like it it didn't really make it it was bizarre it was like when people buy it then you like it yeah that was like some like triple uh crazy mccartney logic (laughs) like like uh some reverse uh like uh 
commercial like uh, minded uh, reverse commercial minded i don't logic. know no it's just like it's like <laughs> like i don't even have to like like that just the idea of of uh the be all end all being that people like it you know people other like people other like people it. it's successful what the record showed to the listener that uh, during the McCartney logic joke, uh, Michael looked at Brian and they had a moment where only brothers could share. And I just kind of sat here like they're making a joke that they understand and I want to get it because I want to understand the Daddario brothers, but I'm not related to them. I'm not. So gonna... I, zoned out, I zoned out halfway into the joke. <laughs> How dare you? No, I guess cause we, we... I, I think I know where he was going. Well, because he's like, uh, probably be. I'm not going to uh, talk about McCartney in any way. It's not complimentary because he's like my favorite <laughs> ever. I, I just, you know, when you love people that much, you think of them as though they're like. Your friend. Your friend. Yeah. Because you listen right, to them every right, day. Right. They're the voice in your head. So yeah. You, that's how I feel right now talking to you guys. I'm like, I know you guys. I don't really know you that well, but I think I do because I buy your record. <laughs> Uh, but with the Beatles, especially because they feel like they belong to us. Yeah, they're just always you always do the accent. <laughs> Poe, Joan, yeah, it's me. Uh, do you guys have a favorite Beatles album? And you can pick an early McCartney or Lennon one if you'd like to, or like the one you think you've listened to the most in your life. Um, or your most beloved. It's always hard. Like a beat, like just a Beatle record. Yeah, or a solo one. If like if you really love. Um, McCartney one. Oh yeah, Rammer. but you know, if I was gonna compare them to a Beatle record, I'd have to choose a Beatle record, probably. That's fair. I guess one that means the most to you. Probably. Well, the the early a lot of the early ones are just probably. chock full of good songs, as as they all yeah, are. But with night. the Beatles is kind of a, my favorite go to. Um, but then also, um, Magical Mystery Tour, even though it's not a proper al- album because it, it's got all those singles on it it's a great compilation put together by capital they did a great job yeah I, when i bought that on vinyl I, I played it for my wife and i think it's the back half it's just like six straight near number one hits or number one hits and she yeah. was like wait was that like strawberry fields <laughs> and then it like it was like crazy that there was that many hits on it so i get it and then the, also the fun songs on that album like baby you're a rich man are just so fun the the not too serious compositions yeah and when that hello goodbye hello goodbye great garbage uh great i'm just saying what 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 lennon about anything like hello goodbye a great exercise in opposites did John Lennon call something garbage? No, it's just it, it, anytime it's something like like Brian just said, like uh, it's like a fun. That's song. so. Fu- it's just fun. It's not too serious songwriting or whatever. And it's like anytime Lennon talks about anything like that, he'll be like garbage, <laughs> garbage, <laughs> just a bit of garbage we put together. <laughs> yeah, I think Paul like always wanted to be like a showman and like perform and have like hits and like john you know he had some ideas and he had some feedback for the world and politics and stuff so they were yeah he wanted to put some ideas over yeah he had some thoughts he was marinating on it and he was like you know what communism bad oh he said that at some point <laughs> no 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 i'm paraphrasing john oh. lennon's aura towards the end of the beatles while paul was trying to be like 
oh, hello, goodbye. Hmm? <laughs> Remember, your mom said that I had a good Alec Guinness impression. Oh, really? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. She showed, she showed uh, me that actually last night. She showed you my Alec Guinness impression on yeah, Instagram? Yeah, that goes into a John Lennon impression. Are the lemon twigs messaging about me sometimes? <laughs> well, she was over at, um, at my apartment last I night. And she showed that. me it on the... I Because the Ahsoka show came out. We're, we're taping this on a Wednesday like th- this week. And uh, mm-hmm. on air, I came on in like this full jedi robe thing and i did this like hello there and i did like a sir alec guinness like <laughs> the force <laughs> but it's I just my job it was good I thank you, you. Do you thank you brian <laughs> do you guys like popular things like that like do you like star wars and stuff yeah i mean as i would always go to my friend thomas's house and watch all the movies um we just saw the we saw Barbie and Oppenheimer. Yeah. I didn't really care for either. Really? Well, because they're too popular. No, 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 like... no. I liked <laughs> I liked Oppenheimer. Okay, Barbie was okay. It kind of was just like a Marvel movie to me. Mm. It, you know, like, but but Oppenheimer was okay. It was almost like it was almost like it was so it was so funny though. Wait, did you see it? I've only seen Barbie. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, but I, I won't spoil anything. But there was one part in Oppenheimer where Albert Einstein is like, he's like, just kind of comes, comes in out to of him in like a, like almost in a <laughs> like dream, a dream thing or something. The whole audience, and the whole just audience laughed. laughed. <laughs> I don't think it was. It wasn't supposed meant, to be funny. <laughs> you know, it's a little serious. I'll say that. But it was good, yeah. and he was really good. Um, okay, well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Now that we got to Oppenheimer, which was my goal of the interview, was to see how we would get there somehow. It was pretty good. Um, on the record, on the record yeah, I did. Pretty good. I pretty much enjoyed it. Yeah. No, I, I heard it was good and quippy, and it was kind of sorkin And If he wants to put me in his next movie, I'm not going to mess that up. Yes. I would be in his next film. After hearing that I can't... Um, memorize dialogue I revealed <laughs> oh, earlier. that was a weird interactive media that doesn't count yeah <laughs> that show um you know i since we both live in new york every time i hear sirens outside your place i'm like i wonder when those sirens will hit my place <laughs> like how this if they just travel um okay well uh brian michael this has been a dream uh, i don't know how many people interview you where they're just like i love you i love your music so much what is, what is the song the fire about like <laughs> i tried to keep off all my fan theories and questions um, but thank you for your time guys thank you no problem thanks a lot yeah do you have any questions for me where were you living before this uh uh are you being arrested right now